announcements on this Sunday. It's because we have so many things cranking up. We had we have ladies' Bible studies happening. We have a volunteer at Abingdon School happening. We have a, a men's group starting this coming Thursday, uh, uh, taught by John Bevere on his book Killing Kryptonites, the DVD series that we're going to be doing. So, guys, you can sign up at the tables in the back um, for that. You can buy the book in the bookstore, although there's only about 20 copies, so you better get it quick. Um, uh, so, anyways, lots happening around here. Just wanted to make you aware of it um, because it's kind of everybody. Everybody kind of does their thing over the summer, and then this is the Sunday when we kind of okay, everybody, let's get back at it. So, um, so great to see you uh, today. Good to be here with you. Um, looking forward to some great things together. Um, one other thing that I, I told my executive leadership team that I would do this week is uh, is to announce to you we are doing a, a miracle offering the end of this month, the last Sunday of this month. Um, we are going to uh, complete our journey on the Heart for the House campaign. Um, so that's about twenty six thousand dollars that we're gonna uh, we're gonna aim for. So pray with us, believe with us. Whatever the Lord speaks to you about uh, to give in that offering, please be obedient to him. There's no pressure coming from me. Uh, we just want to finalize this and uh, knock out uh, where we're at, and then we can move forward on the other things that the Lord is doing uh, around here at Lighthouse. So thank you so much for participating with that. How many of you ready to get in the word today? I have been so enjoyed the summer in the Psalms. Anybody with me? Did you enjoy the summer in the Psalms series we've been doing? And uh, and so John Paul did a great job last week of of uh, taking us through uh, the scriptures. And uh, so this week we're going to talk about uh, what I'm calling uh, from Psalm 84 the Pilgrim's Progression. Um, every good uh, every good uh, song has three chords that go along with it. This is a chord progression that I believe happens in every believer's life. How many of you like to have song a, a, a song when you get in your car and you're about to go somewhere? You first thing you do is put on the music. You can't leave the parking place. Until you get the radio station tuned in, you get your playlist locked in, you got yourself all ready, hit play. Okay, we can go now. Oh, 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 forgot to buckle up. You're not just driving a radio. This is a vehicle. You got to be safe, right? So, um, but we all like to have music for the journey. And, and when I think about the Psalms, being every one of the Psalms is a song. This, this was the hymn book of God's people, the Jews. And so they, every, we read it as a text, but they sang it as a score. And uh, so when we go into the text, um, we understand that there's a, there's a song written in here. And this one in particular um, is a song about the journey. It's a song about uh, having a song with you in life. How many of you figured out by now that the Christian life is a journey? It's not a destination. You thought when you first got saved that it was like fire insurance, right? Oh, praise God. Some preacher probably told you, you know, yeah, you're going to split hell wide open and you need Jesus. And so the cross was fire insurance. Wow. Whew, glad I got that taken care of. But then you found out it was different than that, right? You found out that, that the cross wasn't just something that you, uh, that you went to one time, but the cross is actually a pathway, that this is a journey, that this is, uh, as you're growing, as you're developing, there are things that are changing in your life. So Psalm 84, um, I'm going to read the whole thing. Normally we read it together, but we only have a, a short section for you to read, but I, wanna, I want you to hear the whole psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints. 
for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You ever been there? Just crying out for God. Nothing in this world satisfied. You just wanted God. He says, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, O Lord, Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. Selah means reflect on this. Think on this. Take a pause for a minute and just think on those words that were just prior to this. Then he goes on. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Selah. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Man, don't you just love reading the word? Don't you just love letting the word wash over you? All those thoughts just just kind of find a place in my soul as I read. Well, let me talk with you today. I'm going to focus in on this one verse that says, Blessed is the man, uh, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their heart on pilgrimage. Everybody say pilgrimage. pilgrimage. When was the last time you used that in a sense? Be honest. That word just really wanted to jump into your vocabulary today. It's been waiting for you to get to that text so you could put the word pilgrimage in your mouth. I'm just having fun with you. Pilgrimage is not a word that we use a lot anymore, though uh, we, we understand from history that historically speaking, a pilgrimage is a, is a journey of devotion. It's a, you've heard of pilgrimages to Mecca. You've heard of pilgrimages to Jerusalem, that uh, a lot of the crusades were about a journey that was going to a, a place that was considered to be holy. Now, last week, we heard from John Paul Sprecher that uh, we are already home. That the dwelling place of God is with men, that you are the dwelling place of God, that you don't have to go somewhere where it's more holy because the Holy One abides on the inside of you. We need the presence of God. We need to be hungry and thirsty for the presence of God, like the psalmist here says in Psalm 84. But the idea is the heart is set on pilgrimage. How many of you uh, realize there's a difference between a, a destination and a journey? It, you've understood that that if, if you get hung up on the destination, a lot of times when you get there, you're not really happy. But when you realize that you can actually find joy in the journey, and then day after day after day, you, you renew that joy because it's all about the journey. It's not about the destination. But sometimes we rush through and we realize Oh, what was I, well, you know, when, when I was 12, I wanted to be 14. When I was 14, I wanted to be 16. When I was 16, I wanted to be 18. I don't remember those years. I was too busy looking ahead. 
You know what I mean? We, we, kind of miss, we, we kind of miss where we should be. And here the psalmist is saying the heart is all about the pilgrimage. He said there, there's strength there. And he says you're going to go from strength to strength. So the three chords I'm going to talk about here today have to do with going from faith to faith, from strength to strength, and from glory to glory. And I'm taking the strength to strength part out of Psalm 84. The other two actually belong to Paul. These are kind of, I would call them diatribes. I don't know if it's actually a diatribe, but I'm, it, it fits good. It sounds good, so I'm going to go with that. Um, some English major will come up afterwards and, and correct me, but that's okay. I need that correction. Um, some years ago, uh, a PhD by the name of Dr. Carol Dweck wrote a book called Mindset. And in the book, she talked about uh, the two different ways that people think about a challenge or a test. She said there are those that when they take a test and they have been weighed and measured and maybe found wanting, they allow that test to define them. And by defining them, they resist all change from that point on. They have what she calls a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset. A fixed mindset says, oh, I took this test and I got a 99. That means I'm less than perfect. <laughs> and for the rest of their lives, they see themselves as less than perfect. Now, if you were like me and didn't graduate summa cum laude, but help me laude, <laughs> you are far below the 99. And somewhere along the line, you took a test and maybe you failed it or maybe you got a C on it and, and you were made to feel like a failure, whatever the case may be. If you had a fixed mindset, that test then became a defining factor in your life. Oh, this is what I'll always be. This is who I'll always be. This is, uh, this is the limits of my life, the limits of my expertise, the limits of whatever. That's a fixed mindset. The other side is a growth, the other, the other category is a growth mindset. Some people, when they encounter a test and, they, and they're, they're found wanting, it motivates them. Whoa, that was last week, but you wait till this week. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to power up, I'm going to study, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And, and you're, going to, you're going to go far beyond it. Why? Because the, the, the test uh, landed against a growth mindset. And that growth mindset said, I am not fixed, I can grow, I can strengthen, I can be somebody that I was not yesterday. And see, when your heart is set on pilgrimage, you're not defined by your past. You're not defined what happened yesterday or last month or six years ago. You're defined by who God says you can be. You're defined by what his identity for you in Christ really is. And so you and I have the opportunity as believers to grow and grow and grow. The path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter to the full dawning of the day. You're not defined and don't let your past poison your future. And so here is, you know, uh, here is secular science saying these two mindsets, one is fixed, but it's death. The other is growth, and there's a possibility for change. And what's the difference? A heart of pilgrimage. A heart that says, I'm going to keep going. Touch your neighbor and say, keep going. Don't quit. So 
today as we, uh, as we get into this, I, 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 want you to, I want you to ask yourself, where are some areas that I need to move out of? Where are some areas maybe in my faith, maybe in my strength, maybe in the decisions that I make? How, where are some areas that I need to move forward, that I don't need to keep looking back, that I need to uh, adjust my sails, adjust my identity, see who God wants me to be, and then begin to pursue him in that. And so the first one we're going to talk about is we go from faith to faith. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The gospel just means good news. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in the righteousness of God, for for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Let me break that down a little bit for you. When Paul is talking to the Roman audience, he's talking to people who are a congregation that's made up of both Jews and Gentiles. Jews that would say, okay, the Old Testament is the revelation that God has given to us, and not only to us, but to the world. And so they had the covenants, and they had the Old Testament that we read from, and they would hold on to that, and they would say, in their minds, up until the time of Christ, they would say, by keeping God's word, we are made righteous in God's sight. And so, uh, you know, not to be undone one generation to the next, they made it harder and harder and harder to keep the word of God to the point where, uh, you know, when they when Jesus comes on the scene, uh, the, the Jewish uh, religion was all about legalism. It was all about, you know, what Jesus talked about, straining a gnat and swallowing a camel. They had, they had misrepresented what God said and made it all about laws. And so they said, if we can, you know, it, you, could, you could tell a righteous person by how they dressed. Why? Because they never mixed... Uh, they never mixed threads of fabric in their clothing. They, they, they kept the, the Sabbath a certain way. They didn't work on the Sabbath. They, they were very legalistic about a lot of things, about their diet and all of these kind of things. And so, uh, so when Jesus comes on the scene, he looks, and, and the thing that God had intended to cause them to be frustrated so that they would look for him, they weren't looking for him. They were very happy in their legalistic lifestyle. Because they began to compare themselves against themselves. I'm more righteous than you are. Oh, yeah? Well, when, when, when they couldn't compare anything else about how they had done, they would trace their lineage back. And they'd begin to say, well, you know, my ancestor was more righteous than your ancestor. I've been, righteousness goes back three or four or five generations in my family. But you're a mutt. You can't trace your genealogy the way I can trace my gene. Yeah, I mean, do you see what I'm saying? It, they one-upped one another. And so, so uh, then the Gentiles over here, well, they didn't have the law. They, they didn't have uh, the Judeo-Christian teaching of the Ten Commandments. They didn't have any of that. Each man did what was right in his own eyes, but there were some that their conscience was, you know, was better than others. And, and so basically, uh, you would get what you and I get whenever we begin to talk to people about the Lord. Well, you know, how do you believe people get to heaven? Well, I suppose doing good things. I suppose if the good things in my life outweighed the bad things in my life, then maybe God would let me in. 
but they have no concept of the way of righteousness that Jesus brought, where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And so they had no concept of the blood of Jesus that was necessary for the remission of our sin. They had no concept of that. And so the Gentiles were doing what was right in their own eyes. The Jews were attempting to keep the law, and here comes Paul with the gospel. Now, let me put that thought on the shelf for a second. I'll come back to it in a minute. Imagine. Imagine, pick a, pick a, let's pick apple stock for a minute. Apple stock, okay? Imagine apple stock that you, a generation ago, you know, has it been that long? Okay, maybe your grandfather bought some apple stock before he died. And he, it was a big chunk, and he willed it to you, right? And so you've got this stock that's now been in your family, and it's been making money. It's doing okay. And so it's, a, it's, it's just a high-earning stock every time you turn around. And it's like the one that everybody wants to have, right? And, and so it, the, you, you get all of this stock given to you. It's part of your inheritance. And you're like, yes, I didn't have to work for it. It came to me. And then somebody comes on the scene and says, you know what, that whole Wall Street stock market thing, we're not going to do that anymore. So we're going to zero everybody's accounts out. And now you've got to buy our new stock. But you've got no money to do it with. We have to give it to you, but you have to take it. But you have to come. So everything that you had, everything that you thought generationally is now zeroed out. How do you feel? Everything that you knew about yourself, everything that you knew about your family, everything that you understood, uh, had an understanding of in regards to your family. Pastor Ken, why are you talking about stock on Sunday morning? When Jesus came on the scene, he said, you are not righteous by keeping the law. You are righteous by believing in me. You Gentiles, you are not righteous because you think you are right in your own eyes. God says that stuff doesn't count at all. He said that your, your way of doing it doesn't count. Jews, your way of doing it doesn't count. The only thing that the law did was point to me and you refused to come to me to have life. Made them spitting mad. So mad that they said, we don't care about a proper trial. We're just going to lynch him. We can't, ah, la, 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 we can't hear him anymore. Jesus said, faith righteousness is what God is looking for. He's looking for people to believe on him, to believe on Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ, not faith in the law, not faith in your good works, not faith in your church attendance, faith in Jesus Christ, the only stock that matters to God. Are you with me? So when we come to God, we have to say, okay, I had my faith and my ability, but God says I'm devaluing that. You just got to believe. You say, but I'm, I'm really, really smart. I've got a good education. Look at my, look at my uh, letters next to my name. God says those things don't matter. They don't matter as far as qualifying you. You can't put your faith in, in your education. You can't put your faith in your trust and your money. You can't put your faith. Everybody, the, the, the old saying, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We can trust nothing, whether it's righteous or, hear me, 
or unrighteous. See, the truth is none of us could earn heaven, but the finished work of Jesus. So what, what are you putting your faith in today is my question for you. What are you putting your faith in today to know that you're right with God? Are you putting your faith in how well you did? Or are you putting your faith in the fact that, you know, it's easy for us to want to have faith in Christ when, when we're uh, already on the, the losing side. How many of you found yourself uh, coming to Jesus when you went into a crisis moment when the thing that you put your faith in before didn't work out? So, you know, it's, it's, it's more important to trust God when your bank account is negative 500. It's easier. Can I just tell you it's easier? Than, than it's when, when it's positive 50,000, I guess. I've never been there. But, but my assumption is that my, my prayer is a lot more earnest when I'm negative 500. Are you tracking with me? When, when we find ourselves in a crisis moment and whatever we put our trust in fails, then we look to God. And so when we come to the scriptures and we realize that we're only justified by putting faith in Christ anyway. So if you're only justified by putting faith in Christ anyway, when you come in feeling good on a Sunday morning, praise God. But when you come in feeling bad on a Sunday morning, praise God louder. Praise God louder. Are you tracking with me? So he wants to take us from faith to faith. Worry is putting faith in your own ability to work things out to your own ends. Faith puts your trust in Jesus and said, I don't have the ability to work things out to my own ends, but I'm trusting, as Sarah said earlier, I'm trusting my heavenly father to work things out according to his own ends, which are better than my ability anyway, right? Tracking with me? All right, uh, number two, chord number two, chord number two. We go, uh, I'm, I'm gonna review, we go from faith to faith, but we grow from strength to strength. Psalm 84 said, we grow from strength to strength. How many of you have ever gone through a challenge and you got through the challenge? Some of you are there right now. Stay with me, stay with me. The joy comes in the morning, okay? <laughs> but you went through a challenge and you got on the other side of it and you realized you actually grew from it. You realized, oh my gosh, that was like that was like H-E double hockey sticks when I was going through it. But when I got on the other side, oh, wow, oh yeah. I watched God move. I watched things happen that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't gone through a test. If I wasn't tested, I would, if I wasn't tested, I wouldn't have that testimony, right? I wouldn't get out on the other side. You go, you, you grow from strength to strength, you know? And so the, the point is not to just stop midstream. It's not to stop when you're going through a trial. It's to persevere when you go through the trial because when you persevere, you're gonna find out that God really is who he said he was all along, right? And so you grow from strength to strength. Now, a lot of times these things happen, in, you know, we, how many of us still need to grow in our marriage? My, both my hands up. I need to grow. But I, but I have some history now, and I can look back. Like I was thinking about this. Uh, so, some of you, if you, if you've been here for 10 years or more, then you know the story of, of, my, uh, of my black 1970 Ford van with the bucket seats. 
and it was a van that I saved up all summer, and I paid $250 for and uh, bought this van, and that was the van that we traveled from Michigan after college. You know, we, we ended up in Michigan. We finished college, got married, went to Michigan for the summer, came back here, and when we came back here, um, I had this, uh, this old Ford van. It was beat when I got it. Right. And uh, and so Holly and I, um, you know, I, I started it was my work van. So I, I laid carpet out of it and carpet is 12 feet long. And in a, in an old van like that, uh, that wasn't a extended length, uh, the van, the, the carpet always stuck out the end. But if you could put it sideways, you know, then you could get a whole 12 foot roll of carpet in the back of the van. And, and then I could if it was raining, it was no big deal. You know, I didn't have to worry about wrapping the end of the carpet, all that kind of stuff. I know carpet layer problem. And um, so, so what I did, what I did was I took out the passenger seat altogether, and uh, that way you could, you know, the guy with the, the fork truck, he could just drop it right in there, and it was no big deal. The only deal was when I had to transport my wife. <laughs> but I took care of that because I had a five-gallon five bucket of glue that sat in there, and it weighed about, I don't know, probably 40 pounds. And so I'd slide that over, and that was Holly's bucket seat. <laughs> So, so whenever we were driving in the van, that was Holly's bucket seat. Now, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't know if there are patrol officers here or whatever. No, it wasn't legal at the time. But, you know, we may do, right? And uh, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how you go from, I remember I hated, and some of you probably are still here. I hated when inspection time was going to come around for the car. Because something was always busted, always needed tires. We drove four Maypops most of the time. It may pop before the day's out. You know? So you're driving around on Maypops, and you know you're just, you know. It, remember when I said you pray hard when things are hard? You're like, Lord, don't let him see. Like, I know, I know how bad that tire is. Don't let him see. When he, Lord, just blind his mind. Blind his eyes. Don't let him see how bad that tire is. And you're like, oh. You know, and I didn't really realize how, how much we had grown until the day that I put two vehicles in that were, you know, it's, it, it's like, why do the inspections sometimes line up? Like, how does that happen? Well, it's because you ran it past about two months <laughs> thinking that you'd save $15, you know, over the life of the vehicle, whatever, I don't know. Yeah, that's why you did it. And... Um, <laughs> And so you go and you get it inspected. We had two of them that lined up at the same time, and one of them needed major work. And I remember I, my blood pressure didn't go up, and I didn't break out in a cold sweat. And I said, what's this? <laughs> Our, you know, I was like flinching normally. Like, don't, whenever you, you know, when, whenever you had to call the guy and find out, okay, what's the damages, you know, and whatever. And it was like, I was so nervous about that. It was a serious Serious thing, right? Serious thing. And I remember it was like uh, we, we had enough in our account that I could take care of the, the one inspection was easy, but the other one it needed tires and some brakes or something. And it was like probably about seven or $800, in, and we had it. And I just wrote the check. Okay, thanks. Go do it. You know? and, uh, and I was like, whoa, where did that come from? How did that happen? You go from strength to strength. You go through the challenge. And your heart is set on pilgrimage. You don't give up when it gets hard. 
you say, my heart is, this is a journey. It's not a destination, you know. Uh, probably two years ago now, a year and a half, two years ago now, that, that uh, Holly had decided that she had, she had her eye on this particular uh, kind of car. <clears throat> it's an Audi Q7, and, and there weren't any around here, and we were up at a conference. And, and so we, we, we were able to take the money out of savings and just pay cash for it because Kramers don't like payments. And uh, so we don't do payments, and so we don't pay on cars and stuff. We just pay cash. And we were able to pay cash. It wasn't new by any stretch of the imagination. It had 100,000 miles on the clock. Uh, but we paid cash for it. And I'm like, whoa. Where did this come from? Strength to strength. I'm here to tell you whatever season you're in right now, you start by going from faith in yourself to faith in Christ. And then you'll learn that you have to put your faith in Christ, not just for your salvation, but also for your provision. Because some of us, it's easy to put our trust in Christ for our eternal soul but it's harder to put our trust in Christ for the mortgage payment due next week. I know I'm going to heaven, but I'd like to have a roof over my head until I get there. <laughs> but you have to learn to have faith in him as your provider, not just your savior. You have to go from faith in Jesus as Savior to faith as Jesus as provider. There's a growth progression that has to happen. And then he will learn to strengthen you. You will get to the place where you're not, where, where your confidence is in the Lord and you begin to boast in the Lord. Like, pff, inspections? I eat those for breakfast. It's no big deal. Why? Because I've been through there and, I, and I, I got the strength that the Lord gave me for the next season. Years ago, when I became senior pastor at 30, there was a, there was a, a doctor named Dr. Baldwin. He was a pastor uh, up, in, uh, up in Baltimore for many, many years. And he pastored a church for 22 years and planted 25 churches uh, out of that through, through his movement, through his influence. And he told me one time, because I was fretting about the finances, the church is fine. Oh, we got this debt, and we got this. Nah, nah, nah. How am I going to, what do I do? How do I think about this? All this kind of stuff. He said, he said, son, he said, from what I've seen of the Lord, he said, I could go out tomorrow and plant a church and build a building, and I would watch God pay for it. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. And he said, my confidence is in the Lord. And I've just watched God do that so many times. I don't even break a sweat. I was like, I wish I had what you got. But after 30 years, you know, uh, serving the Lord and, and uh, 21 years as senior pastor now, I've, I've got more confidence in that, you see. Because you go from strength to strength. And all of that to say, why are we doing this? Why, what's the purpose of this? Why do we go through tests? Why do we go through trials? Why do we, do we go through challenges? Because it's not just about you. You know, we, we are on display. We, the people of God, are on display for the whole world to see. So that what gets done didn't get done because we were savvy because we were slick, because we had it all together, because we had the majority rules. What got done, got done through the grace of God. 
by a people who trusted him, by a people who say, not my will, but thy will be done, right? So Paul says it this way in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, and we're going to close here. Never, <clears throat> nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. He's talking about the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant that Jesus uh, shed. I love this uh, statement from John Paul last week when he said, the, the blood of Jesus came so that God could move from the temple to your heart. The blood of Jesus was supplied, so when God, God vacated the temple and he, uh, and he uh, uh, took up residence in your heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What God is at work doing uh, is that he is he has taken up residence on the inside of your life, and he wants you not just to do good works, not just to put your faith in him and go from strength to strength, but he wants you to see him. He wants you to desire him. He wants you to wake up early in the morning and not check Facebook. or whatever other social media you're into. But to wake up in the morning and say, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. When can I meet with him? When can I gaze upon him? And, and so uh, the, the psalmist understood this. His heart was set on pilgrimage because he wanted to get to God. He wanted to go from faith to faith and from strength to strength. But the point of all of that was to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And so we, uh, so we move this. We gain from glory to glory. We don't just, uh, what I saw of Jesus when I was 17 was a very dim picture of Jesus. Jesus. And my life certainly didn't resemble anything of him. But now after all these years of just serving the Lord and gazing upon him and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, and sometimes doing it right and sometimes doing it wrong. But getting back up and saying, my heart is set on pilgrimage. I'm going to go after God. I'm, I'm going to do this thing, the cross before me, the world behind me. I'm going to continue moving in this direction. And more and more and more, you and I become transformed as we gaze upon him from glory, the glory of man, to the glory of God. From the, the glory, the credit that you could get for doing something to saying, I want no credit for this because I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing with the people I'm doing it with and we wouldn't see what God is doing if it weren't for him. If you can't see Jesus in our works, if you can't see Jesus in our day, if you can't see Jesus through how we treat one another, then we're doing it wrong. We're doing it in the strength of our own flesh rather than saying, Jesus, there's a better way. Yours is the way. And, you know, the end result of this, the, the scripture says, if we'll suffer with him, we'll reign with him. If we'll go through the, uh, the hard trials, then he gets the glory. Right? He gets the glory for it. And I just want to encourage you. You know, these are the three chords to this pilgrim's progression that we all have to look at in our lives and say, where's my faith today? 
God wants to take me from my faith in myself to faith in trusting Jesus. And then faith in trusting Jesus from Savior to healer, from Savior to provider, to, from Savior to righteousness, from Savior to whatever else that's in the name of the Lord. He wants your faith to be in him. And then he wants to grow you. He wants to grow you up in your faith. He wants to strengthen you so that you're not just doing little bitty things for God, but now there's more responsibility that he gives you. Now you're not just looking after your family, but you're looking after, can I tell you what you did last week and you didn't even realize you did it? So you, you gave over the course of the time that we were taking up offerings for the school system about $3,300. And part of a little over $800 of that went to buy uh, lunches for all the teachers for the day that their, their marathon day that they were. And let me tell you, I pulled on the property after they were distributed and I got more smiles, more high fives, more hugs, more thank you so much. So I say on behalf of Abingdon School, thank you so much because it was your money. You did it. You chose to do that. And, uh, and a lot of our young people went and they painted these positive affirmations on the walls. And, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Principal Anna Harwood, she's been walking people through. And she's, oh, look at those, look at those. How, yeah, Lighthouse, yeah, Lighthouse, yeah, Lighthouse. And the teacher's encouraged. They're encouraged. They're excited. We're still planning, talking about where do we go from here, you know. Um, probably doing some board game nights, probably doing um, some spaghetti nights and pull the families of the, of the, the uh, you know, the, the families together of the students and bringing them all in. Doing all pro dad with them once a month. Some of you guys that have some time on your hands that can break away for a breakfast and just go in and encourage some uh, men who uh, are trying to make ends meet and raise their family at the same time and not sure how to do it. We can help with that. We can help with that. But who gets the glory? That's right. Jesus. Not us. Why would you do that? Jesus. He's the why. He's the hope of the world. And we got to let everybody know about it. Because he's got to get the glory. Amen. Could we stand this morning as we close? As we bow our heads this morning, anybody here this morning that says, Pastor Ken, I'm tired of uh, putting my faith in myself, tired of putting my faith in what I can do, tired of putting my faith in my abilities, I need to do it a new way. I need to find a new way to live. In my own testimony, I remember one night, I was kind of, I was in what the Bible calls the valley of decision. And I read this uh, book called More Than a Carpenter, and I got to the end of it. And Holy Spirit oftentimes talks to you by asking questions, right? So it was the first time I remember hearing his voice, but I, I remember he said to me, what are you going to do? I said, well, you know, I'm accepting. In my mind, I, there wasn't anybody, but I, I, this, this whole conversation is happening in my mind. Well, I was accepted to Western Carolina University and University of Georgia. I guess I'm going to go to college and I'm going to, you know, get an education. Then what are you going to do? Well, I guess I'm going to get a job in my trade. You know, everything that I was taught growing up, this is what I'm going to be when I grow up. Then what are you going to do? Well, I guess I'm going to get married. Then what are you going to do? I guess I'll retire. Then what are you going to do? 
I guess I'll die. I mean, 17 years old, right? I'm just, I was like, hit all the, hit all the milestones, right? And then he didn't condemn me, but he said, you're missing the most important part. You're missing Jesus. You're missing Jesus. And I was under conviction for 35 seconds. And I said yes to Jesus. Put my faith in him. Because he showed me a better way. He showed me I could put my trust in myself, in my ability to get an education. I, I, I could, I could chart my course and end up at the wrong destination there is a way the Bible says it seems right to a man and the end of it is death but if you put your faith in Jesus the one who is eternal life then life happens at the moment you say yes to God at the moment you say yes to God What's your faith in today? Is your faith in your ability to make things happen and line things up and make it all work out? And let me ask you a question. How's that going? What if you could get off the treadmill and enter into his rest? What if you could let him take the wheel? What if you just had to find yourself where you've already found yourself by saying, I just give up, but take it a step further. I give it to you. I give up doing it my way. That's called repentance. I'm going to do it your way. That's called belief in Christ. Let's bow our heads right now. Some of you need to make that transition today. That's the first chord. But if you don't get that chord, everything else is out of tune. If you don't get the faith chord right, the strength chord is not going to jive with anything. And the only glory will be that you've already had your reward in full. And you'll have diminishing returns your entire life. Why did I work so hard and it all came to nothing? You'll just have diminishing returns. But if you'll put your faith in Jesus today, your path will grow brighter. And you'll watch the things that you put in his hands multiply. And your joy will increase. And your peace will increase. Your stress level. You're not going to feel lonely anymore. You're going to know that God is on my side. faith in Jesus today, just slip up your hand as an act of surrender. Slip up your hand. I'm ready to trust Jesus. I see those hands. Amen. I'm ready to trust Jesus. 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 Lord, today, this morning, we lay down our ways. Say that out loud. I lay down my way. I lay down my path. I lay down my own strength. I lay down my successes. I lay down my failures. I don't trust in myself anymore. I will not trust in the arm of the flesh.
because it will fail me. But today, Jesus, I declare I trust you for my future, for my life, for my family, for my provision, for all of my needs. You are my God, and I will trust you, and I will follow your way. Teach me your way that I can grow from strength to strength and from glory to glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you're a guest with us as we close, uh, Inside Lighthouse is open. Please stop by there. We just want to uh, practice some hospitality and give you a gift on our behalf. If you want to get involved in the Killing Kryptonite class coming up on Thursday night at 7, sign up over there at the table. 